This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of July 24th, 2021. Jones Soda eyeing CBD. I read it on one of their caps. The real victims of COVID in Japan, the distilleries. Boston Beer and Beam Suntory are making something you probably don't want. And seltzers are dead. Good. All this and more on Happy Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and let's get straight into the news. Hmm. Coming straight out of Seattle, Jones Soda Company is looking into cannabid... We've had to say this before, basically CBD, the cannabidol... Can 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 not work here anymore. Cannabidol. Cannabidol. Yeah. CBD, <laughs> and a refreshing market strategy to regain profitability because it's not the 90s anymore and nobody cares about those kitschy little bottles. Uh, the company has been accumulating losses for 12 consecutive quarters. Oh. Net loss for the third quarter was $476,000, which compared with the net loss of $425,000 in the same period a year ago. Revenue was... Three million thirty-two thousand down twelve percent. Oh, fun! Yeah, the decline was primarily due to weakness in the company's partnerships with Seven Eleven, because all these things are very much in the, you know, in the pulse of what the current Utes are all about. <laughs> Everyone loves loves their Seven Elevens and and their Jones Soda. Said Jennifer Q, President, Chief Executive Officer, and Acting Chief Financial Officer of Jones Soda. She didn't really. Uh, during a November 7th conference call with analysts, revenues at Jones Soda private label, seven select program. I don't know what any of that is. I just said words. Yeah. Dropped 48% in the third quarter. That's- driven by decrease in store level promotions. Apparently, Jones Soda only exists with 7-Eleven like those apparently the companies are tied no i think some... they 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 i don't think they only exist because because they are in some Kroger's, no, they don't but apparently maybe this yeah. seven select program which no one knows about which makes you wonder like oh 48 percent down from two <laughs> i don't know I, i've never heard yeah. of this before well the program hmm. now accounts for eight percent of the company's total business down from 13% in the same period last year. So maybe it was three wow. last year. God. Production issues with the lemon cocoa business also contributed to the decline. Uh, Miss Q said she's optimistic about the future despite the current headwinds. Toronto-based hemp and CBD company Heavenly RX invested $9 million to buy 15 million shares of Jones Soda this summer. 
bring its ownership stake to 25%. The agreement has allowed Heavenly RX to acquire an additional 20% stake and acquire stock in the open market, bringing its total share to 51%. Guys, controlling jo- stake. Yeah, mm-hmm. guys, uh, Jones isn't craft anymore. <laughs> can I can I still get a case of the soda with family pictures on it for my wedding? Oh wow! Because they they used to do that. Yeah, that's hmm. all. I, it's all been a minute, all guys. I can think of right now is just. I mean, I, I I would drink a cream soda if it was given to me, but that's about I it. I never understood the. They had some good flavors. Fervor around Jones soda. I never liked it. We were having a pre-show discussion about this. And I was just like, I don't know. I never got it. It was this kitschy thing that was way overpriced. And you got like very few of them. And I was always like, I don't know. I'd rather go spend 75 cents and get a two liter of Fago. Oh, I, I'm not <laughs> well, saying I would seek it yeah. out. But if there was one nearby, it's like, hey, I got one of these. I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Give me some rock and rye. And uh, it's a good Friday night when I was in high school. Get you some, uh, get you some Jolt Cola. Anywho... Uh, <laughs> This is if that tells you anything. There's a CBD company that's buying out Jones Soda, and they're going to start releasing a line of CBD infused beverages. Got to stop. Who to thunk it? They've got to stop uh, uh, making business decisions while they're high. <laughs> it's like, oh, Sweetwater finally, you know, went into a big partnership with a CBD company, and there's CBD infused beer coming from them in dispensaries. Who to thunk it? Yeah. Weirdest thing that. Another news: water or wet. Yeah. Look, we we still have to go to what would it be like? Colorado would be the the best to go and like go to a dispensary and get all the infused beers we can. Hmm. Because I know Flying Dog has one, Sweetwater has one. There's got to be a few more that we could get a hold of and do a tasting on those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm like, oh, it's, this is sad news for Joan Soda. But also, I'm like, I don't ever think about Joan Soda. They, uh... Well, the last line in this whole story: we are focused on building partnerships and a range of cultural platforms, including including music video or music video gaming, sports, and the arts. Miss Q said, "We believe these marketing activities are necessary." To capture the younger generation's attention and consumption. Yeah, I mean that's hello, fellow kids. The youths. They got. They have to get. You know, they have to tell the kids to get off their lawn, and go buy their soda. The Johnson. Yeah. But uh, this very much is Steve Buscemi <laughs> coming up. Hello there, hello. fellow kids. <laughs> I also the Miss Q thing is. I, I get that that's her name entirely, but Ms. Anything right now is ruining me from because of Loki, because I get Ms. Minutes in my head. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. She's terrifying. <laughs> Especially that final episode. Good God. Spoilers. Okay. Well, speaking of, uh, I guess, things that are terrifying, uh, COVID Olympics <laughs> yeah. is going on. Wait, that makes it sound mm. like there's a competitive yeah, COVID. That, that is in fact terrifying. Do the winners just get packs of toilet paper? Uh, of which we have to have a real, real marital discussion later because somebody bought the wrong toilet paper. That's because our toilet paper doesn't exist anymore. No, it does, but we do not buy Charmin in this house. <laughs> and there's a big pack of Charmin in there. Look, the other stuff got dry. 
Because you take it. If you okay, get if is... you get lotion infused toilet paper, you have to leave it uh, like kind of in the pack so it retains that lotioniness. All right. Otherwise, it dries the f out. All right. All right. <laughs> but let's 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 lift up the train, get it back on the tracks, hmm. uh, and uh, talk about uh, that Japan is hosting the Olympics. I know you're shocked. No one's no one's talking about it. Uh, hmm. And, Absolutely no one. Uh, uh, which, you know, first time they've hosted since 1964. It's uh, been a while, and during that time... Oh, see if we got someone... Aaron Lewis uh, doing yeah, the opening ceremony. Someone in the chat saying watching right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, in 19, uh, since 1964, uh, apparently the Suntory Distillery, the oldest distillery in Japan, moved, uh, or I guess whiskey distillery probably, uh, moved a batch of then four-year-old whiskey from a Mizurara, Mizunara, Mizunara probably, oak cask uh, to a white oak cask and left it alone for decades. Um, but what have we learned when, at least in bourbon, I don't know how this might turn out with the Japanese whiskeys, whiskey, but uh, with bourbon, I definitely know you don't want to leave it <laughs> that long. Yeah. Uh, well, they've left it in there, including the last few years when Japanese whiskey has blown up internationally, both in terms of uh, sales and respect for the product, because they make a good scotch. I mean, <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. They're trying, you know, they've, they've made it their own thing they at this do. point, but it grew out of, you know, what I like scotch. You know, what we all like mm. scotch. Scotch. Yeah. Um, well, uh, in 2012, Japan exported about uh, $22 million uh, in uh, whiskey. By 2020, it was nearly $250 million and growing. Uh, uh, the promotional effort, uh, as a promotional effort, they decided they would link the 1964 Olympics with the 2020 Olympics, which uh, is finally going on now. Uh, and they would release 100 commemorative bottles of its prize batch and market it around the Summer Games. So people coming in uh, to pick up, uh, pick up their their uh, you know they're watching the games can buy you know use their disposable income to buy. Uh, to buy this whiskey. What could go wrong? Uh, right. The Yamazaki 55, a single malt, would serve as a peripher uh, peripheral chance for Japan whiskey to tap into the global spotlight and the excitement of the Olympics and gain a little more worldwide prominence and hopefully demand. Uh, this is what businesses, even whole industries do when their country hosts the, hosts the Olympics. Uh, Suntory, uh, the nation's so-called smallest uh, distillery. Uh, sorry, Suntory didn't just is not the only one. Uh, the smallest distillery, uh, as they call themselves, uh, Chichibu, planned on releasing its first tin batch in conjunction with the games. Uh, another newish whiskey maker, uh, Ake uh, Akeshi, used the colors of the Olympic rings on the labels of their bottle. Uh, demand lead. Uh, they uh, they go on to talk a little bit about this, but this is the kind of uh, kind of you know just what they expect to do, and they're hoping people you know who are excited for this, who who know the quality of Japanese whiskey, uh, t 
to to kind of you know go in there and get it so they can get their names up there with you know your Irelands and your your Scotlands and your you know America for your for your whiskeys. Yeah. Except the 2020 Olympics were postponed a year, and now that the uh, cauldron has finally been lit this past Friday, uh, due to COVID restrictions, the competition will play, take place with no international visitors or even local fans. It's just the stands that will be empty. Tokyo's and entertainment districts, where bars have been sh- uh, uh, districts where bars have been shuttered and liquor sales prohibited. That's not what you want to see. <laughs> No. Yeah, that's that's not the like the gain you see from I can't remember what the videos are I was seeing this week. Um, YouTube was suggesting it was like, oh, the abandoned arenas in the Amazon from past Olympics where you know, all from these the, things were built. I was going to say or from like the World Cup of a couple of years back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Olympics have become a lost opportunity for Japan's distillers. Uh David Fleming, executive editor for the Whiskey Advocate, uh, told Yahoo Sports, where we pulled this from. With safety now the prime concern, the bells and whistles normally provided to Olympic platform will be muted at best. Uh, is a sign of just how brutal uh, – it's a sign of how brutal it is trying to stage Olympics with no fans and heavy restrictions. Uh the, it's not just uh, for the IOC. It impacts everything from major corporate sponsors to mom-and-pop stores to stadium uh, arenas, bars, and restaurants, uh, and indeed, even whiskey. The setback is significant for Japanese retailers as the now unlikely influx of international visit- visitors combined with Tokyo's most recent state of emergency declaration means that they are now being denied the spillover benefits of tourism spending – Hospitalities, hotels, and entertainment, said Patrick Kinch, uh, uh, analyst for Global Data, a London-based business analytics firm. Uh, for brands, crowd restrictions create a conundrum that is essentially having them uh, having a product they didn't pay for, as crowds have been assumed at times uh, of securing contracts with the IOC. Uh, reduced crowds means less atmosphere, which means it may alter the TV viewing experience for millions around the world, leaving the IOC sponsors having a multi-million dollar partnership with less value for the money, giving the potential uh, audience drops. So, yeah, uh, looking looking real bleak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fortunately for Japan's whiskey distillers, the combination of uh, balance and taste has not tempered uh, uh Tempered businesses, after all, even without the preferred Olympics tie-ins in the last year, the bottles of the first 10 from Chichibu are currently selling for 2000 to $3,000 on the secondary market. And when a first edition bottle of the Yaka, uh, Yamazaki 55 went on auction last August, oh. games or no games, it was still expected to fetch between uh, $75,000 and $100,000. Oh, it wow. it instead went for seven hundred ninety five thousand for one bottle. Ah, <clears throat> wow. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they're I not, very they're much not want a bottle of Yamazaki. Uh, this I would love a taste of, but no, 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 no. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Japanese companies. Speaking of no. <laughs> Speaking of Suntory. Oh, yeah. This is a different story for them. So, Boston Beer and Beam Suntory partner for Truly Spirits, Sousa, canned cocktail lines. How could they partner for this? 
couldn't they partner for anything? Anything I would actually boiled, anything else? Boiled <laughs> peanuts beer. <laughs> yes. So, uh, with consumer preferences evolving, two major players in the drinks business are coming together to satisfy demands with innovative collaborations. I'll give them the innovative part. Yes. Beam Suntory, known for its wide range of spirits, including iconic Jim Beam and Maker's Mark bourbons, in addition to a host of Japanese, Scotch, and Canadian whiskey labels, is entering into a long-term strategic partnership with Boston Beer, a firm with a diverse portfolio of brands, including Truly and Twisted Tea, that began with its Samuel Adams beer. Uh, a little more familiar with that one, I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, but I think we were there early days for Twisted Tea showing up, though. I remember we talking oh, about literally a, the first year. Yeah, Oktoberfest. Uh, yeah, they tested it on the Oktoberfest crowd that yeah, year. Yeah. That stuff was delicious. I've got a cozy probably um, still from that somewhere. Because they were oh, giving yeah. out free samples. It's like I look back and I'm like, oh crap! They were just like, <laughs> it was Oktoberfest, so it was kind of like, who cares? And they're just like, oh here, take a take a hit of we this. Yeah, we were all like, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> no ID required. <laughs> uh, the agreement will combine the efforts of a premium spirits leader and a brewing pioneer to launch products that bring Suntory's mm. Sousa tequila brand into the ready-to-drink market and bridge truly hard seltzer into the bottled spirits world. I just threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's the, the quote from uh, Beam Suntory president. We are each tapping opportunities in adjacent categories by unleashing our shared creativity and respective distribution strengths in spaces that resonate with consumers. That just basically translates to, we thought we could get a lot more money this way. Um, recent trends indicate that RTDs, which I hate that that's a category now, by the way, the ready to drink thing. I think we should not call them RTDs. I got a bad case of RTDs like a, last a, week. Uh, yeah. It sounds like so many bad things. Um, you had a six-pack so of syphilis. The, yeah, so <laughs> the trends indicate that the, these are increasing in popularity, and Beam Suntory has a proven track record in Japan, Australia, and Germany as an industry leader. The new move looks to capitalize on these opportunities by expanding offerings and taking advantage of solid demand for hard seltzer and canned cocktails. Oh, it's so unfortunate that there's like a demand for canned cocktails. Like I just, It just feels wrong. Uh, I can't anyway, think of canned as cocktails America's... without thinking of Casey getting a canned, uh, like... Oh, the Bloody Mary? No, thing? it was like a cucumber oh. gimlet or a cucumber uh, something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I just remember like, like, yeah, try this. And I just went, never again. <laughs> never again. We're kind yeah. of, No, we're being haters now because we know we're going to have to try a lot later. Look, yeah. we're... New Year's Eve is stacked that we're probably just going to die of alcohol poisoning. Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as America's second best-selling hard seltzer, Truly will benefit from Beam Suntory's expansive distribution network and advanced distillation capabilities. Makes sense. It's truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> Centauri will, in turn, have access to Boston Beer's expertise in the production and distribution of brewed beverages. Uh, though Sousa is a tequila brand, the new ready-to-drink line will most likely not be spirits-based, according to multiple outlets, including Beer Business Daily, which is a thing. 
Uh, the conglomerates are not entirely new to the crossover market as Beam Centauri entered the bottle cocktail industry with its acquisition of On the Rocks in 2020. Also a thing. Uh, Boston Beer has flirted with the spirits category since purchasing Dogfish Head in 2019, via which it re- recently launched a liquor-based canned cocktail line. So, did it? Um, I will say blah, 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 blah. I might be more inclined to give this a shot if it had something like, oh, uh, like a tequila that wasn't salsa. <laughs> like if, sure. if like any other tequila like almost any other tequila i'd be like maybe well jose if it's a i mean jose and salsa are basically the same thing they're just a different label yeah, on them. i'm just saying like uh, yeah Ooh, so if it was an espalon it says it's scheduled for mid 2022 okay if it was like an espalon so tequila i'd be like maybe flying dog and espalon Oh. team up for something similar and look at the opinion change and the only thing that changed from this was brands hypothetically yeah. well no well, and it's not even that we don't trust like Suntory does make great things and so does Boston Beer it's the it, things just, they put together for this mix know. were not quite right I, like I'm just saying it if it was it, like, if it was Espelon and Boston Beer I'd still kind of gas could I just be like yeah I, I want the bourbon of tequila yeah. yeah, it's it it's it's mm. literally just this particular choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, well, speaking of seltzers, <laughs> speaking of Boston beer and seltzers and mm. hating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hate 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 hate. Yeah, let's. Uh, CNN uh, business says the hard seltzer craze has come to an end. Very definitive Think there. That quickly. Yeah. That hard. Yeah. Just hit the wall. I wish we could just show the, the thing from the chat. <laughs> Casey actually sent us this, and it was like, send the troops home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all done here. <laughs> like, mm. uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, the warning uh, is coming from Boston Beer, the creator of Truly Hard Seltzer, uh, who said that the uh, popularity of the low-calorie drink has faded. Boston Beer founder Jim Cook said the hard seltzer category and overall beer, beer industry were softer than we had anticipated. He said uh, he added that the seemingly endless arrival of new seltzer brands is a uh, causing consumer confusion and fewer people are trying the once hot beverage. That that's not probably wrong. There's you know you're getting to the <laughs> point where the market might getting oversaturated with brands and people are like, uh, I mean, aren't they all kind of the same? For seltzer, though, aren't they all kind of the okay, same? It, it, uh, they had a flat quarter. Yeah, it's expected the quarter that they just came out of would have been flat. So for seltzers, yeah, I mean, coming into spring, yeah, it's gonna sales should start to pick up some, but it's not till like late summer, coming into fall, and those hot, humid days out at the lake or whatever that seltzer sales are should be booming. Labor Day weekend yeah. will be bananas. I would expect, like Labor Day weekend. That should be like a big like this next quarter. It, we're just gonna forget all this. And they're gonna be like, oh, it's just seltzer. Forget it. Beer's done. Well, shares plummeted twenty five percent in afternoon trading uh, on Friday after the company's second quarter earnings came in below analyst expectations late Thursday. Boston has been regularly uh, beating analyst earning expectations in recent years because of truly sales strength. So weak earnings came as a bit of a shock. CEO Dave Berwick uh, uh, 
Berwick said in a statement that the company overestimated the growth of the hard seltzer category in the second quarter and the demand for Truly, which negatively impacted our volume and earnings in the quarter uh, estimates for the remainder of the year. Uh, I see Curtis down in the chat just saying most of them are the same, <laughs> but they have more sugar than expected. It's a weird surprise. And then 25% fuck. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, it hit hard. Yeah. Uh, Truly's uh, slipping sales come on the heels of the largest ever market campaign featuring pop stars Dula Lipa. Dua Lipa. I'm old. I, I don't know either. Old I, white man tries to say what new <laughs> new craze is. I don't know. I know it's a. I've seen the picture of the person. That's I've all I know. Never, I've never Company even seen the picture or heard the name. Well, they enlisted her star power to compete with uh, mm. White Claw, the perennial market leader in the spiked seltzer category. Together, the two brands capture about 75% of the hard seltzer market, according to Nielsen, which they are the. Yeah. They're the, the you know, and they're the, the Anheuser-Busch and, you know, Miller Coors of, of seltzer, mm. except, you know, that changed a lot in recent years. Who's the other 25%? Uh, everyone else. <laughs> I'm like, what other? I, I, it's not I like guess one I, company. It's going to be a bunch of them fighting for. Yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm part of the problem in that, like, I can't think of another one besides White Claw and Truly. Uh, yeah, the uh, Truly brand took a share of the hard seltzer market from White Claw over the past 12 months. The share of the market now trails White Claw by less than 10% uh, compared to more than 20% last year. Thanks to, uh, thank quote, thanks to strong, impactful, bolder flavor innovations that are helping reach new black and Hispanic communers to consumers uh, to expand household penetration, said uh, Lorette Gar- Grandit. A analyst from Guggenheim Securities. Uh, Corona mount back, but yeah. Uh, anyway, Granite remains bullish on Boston beer despite the category's uh, sales slowing more quickly than expected. He note uh, he wrote in a note that the drink is still a segment that's growing faster than any other across beer because customers prefer low-calorie uh, drink as an alternative to beer. Uh I mean, we don't, but other people might. The if I want low calorie, I'll just drink again bourbon straight. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and the thing is, th- this is one of those. It's feeding on its on itself that they like. You know, they're declaring seltzers dead because it brings in headlines and people clicking on things, but also because you read that it's it's not doing well, then you go, oh, well, they're not doing well. We should sell off our stock in that. And people are seeing they're selling. They go, oh, we should, we should sell our stock. We have to get out now while there's still time. So like it's it's, which leads to more stories like this. So you know, right? It's fine. Um, I'm I'm sure they're not hurting that much. Although, yeah, they're all multimillionaires. They can afford to, you know, lose some money. Boston beers under a thousand dollars a share for the first time in years. Yeah, like I, so, it feels like the dip buy. I struggle with feeling bad for them. <laughs> uh, you know who? You know what make you feel better, Brittany? Uh, this week in alcohol heists. Wine heists. We really need a stinger now. You know, that's. I feel this like... needs to be the loop on the third. Loop on the third. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that would make me happy. And also, also another. I think it was before we started pre-show when I brought up if we ever get a nice German 
wine heist, it has to be the wine heist caboose. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're... No, that's 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 a rule. That's like a law. Um mm. also Fine pair really doing well with these um the images that they create for these articles. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. That just all right. Uh so this um, this is a multifaceted international investigation targeting counterfeit food and drinks netted a massive haul of goods between December 2020 and June of this year. The European European Union Agency for Law Enforcement Cooperation. Wow. Europol. Uh, Europol. Europol. <laughs> Europol. <laughs> Coordinated with the Europol. International Criminal Police Organization, Interpol, which we all, I think, are more familiar with. Uh, in a joint operation titled Opson 2020. What, what the hell does that stand for then? It's the son of the <laughs> op. <laughs> like, you you just told, okay, this is poor, I'm sorry, this, I have a journalism degree and this is a poor writing. I mean, maybe anyway. maybe it makes more sense in the language that Dobson is probably from. Who knows? No. Okay. Uh, the collaborative probe brought together local authorities from 26 EU member states and 72 nations around the world. Not a small situation. Uh, as a result of details uncovered during well, widespread clue investigations, what anyone's saying to each other. <laughs> <laughs> officials searched 2,409 locations and issued 663 arrest warrants. Oh, I just needed three disrupting more. 42, <laughs> disrupting 42 criminal networks according to a Wednesday press release. The raids resulted in a seizure of more than 15,000 tons of illicit products valued at approximately $63 million. Oh, that's all. <laughs> They're just like hauling them out and like, I just picture them like, no, 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 bring like written, written police U-Hauls just coming in and going, no, just toss them in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, efforts related to alcohol were led by European Anti-Fraud Office, Olaf, great name. Uh, <laughs> it's not an acronym, it's just the... one guy named Olaf. <laughs> just, he, he just, you know, he's really good at his job. Uh, resulting in the collection of 1.7 million liters of fraudulent beer, wine, and spirits. 1.7 million liters. Just, that's a, that's a number there. How do you have fraudulent beer? It's It's got the wrong well, name I, something in there. Like yeah. I, I get that's probably what's happened. Yeah, they they slapped some Budweiser kegs. You know, they took some Budweiser kegs and slapped like a, a, a Trappist label on them and mm. said they're something something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so here's a quote, of course, from the from Olaf's director general, uh, Ville Itala. Itala. Oh, Olaf's boss, uh, the inspector general. Yeah. Right. Uh, the risks posed by these products to EU citizens and businesses are very real, and Olaf is proud to have worked hand-in-hand -hand with Europol and national customs and police authorities in identifying, tracking, and stopping the counterfeiters and fraudsters in this important part of the food and drink sector. I feel like this is a Pink Panther movie that we missed. And <laughs> Very Olaf, much so. Olaf is uh, a known alias of Inspector Clouseau. Oh my God. This is the best thing in the world. Um, also, fraudster. One of my new favorite words. Um, so while the majority of the alcohol uncovered was vodka and wine, the hall included... 47,660 liters of whiskey. Jeez. The adulteration of alcoholic beverages with colorants led to the arrest of 14 individuals by the Guardia Civil, Spain's oldest law enforcement agency, because everybody's involved here. Uh, the Italian 
Carabinieri Corps made five house arrests in connection with wine counterfeiting, a recurring issue in the region, which, yeah, that makes sense. Back in October, a ring in Italy was busted for producing fake uh, Sassigaia, a prestigious wine adored by connoisseurs and collectors. The details regarding varieties and labels recovered in the latest operation were not released. I, I was literally just like speed reading parts of that and putting in clearly wrong words. And then it's like the Italian Carbonara <laughs> Corps made five house arrests. Uh, yeah. Italian ring buster for producing fake Sassian. <laughs> All right, and this is what happens when you just glance at things, which is what we do sometimes. At all, uh, yeah, this is this is just crazy. I mean, man, Europe. the The number of wine heists that happen in Europe, obviously, is high. Like, yeah, where the wine. It's at. like where the wine comes from. Yeah, it, I mean, it. Not the only place, but let's be serious. Uh, but <laughs> it, still, you you look at. Uh, like, they know these are, like, the ones that will make money, so there's going to be more counterfeiting there. But, like, they just – it feels like month after month, there's just another gigantic, you know, uh, uh, you know, haul of, like, and we caught this guy. We've been investigating them for 57 years. <laughs> I don't know. but This is driving me crazy. I just need to know, like, is it a combination of the, the two acronyms? This is going to make me insane. Oh, for Opsin? I had to go look it up, and it's still just for Opsin. Yeah, it's... Look... On their official, on the Europol website, it does not even say what it flipping means. Uh, look, Olaf just wanted to put some letters together, man. Let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> Speaking of people who need, to, uh, who need to be led to do what they need to do, uh, we've got some news out of India that uh, has us pretty excited. Hmm. Look, this monkey was just minding his own business, doing his thing, and people had to butt in and start uh, start recording him. He he's just he's just had getting his drink on. That was it. So a macaque monkey is making the rounds of social media after it was caught on video by passerby while committing a crime in Mandla district of Madhyai. Yeah, whatever in India. Uh, the animal boldly broke into a liquor store and grabbed a bottle of booze from a display in the middle of the store. It then <laughs> worked on the top for a minute or so with its fingers and teeth and skillfully removing the screw cap. He proceeded to gracefully sip the spirit using a unique two-handed one-foot technique as crowds cheered him on. You just picture this monkey just lying back putting you know his hands up on it his his other like foot hand hoisting up the bottom so it goes back and he's just like chugging just going, go, 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 go. and the crowd is down at the bottom going chug chug chug, chug, chug chug the gentleman managing the store at the time appeared calm and collected while the incident occurred offering the creature a treat either as a distraction or a compliment to his drink of choice or you know he's like not even mad. Actually, I'm impressed. He just looks at the monkey. and just <laughs> amazing. Goes, you know what goes good with that bottle of uh, that bottle of port? Let me get you a cheese platter, monkey. The monkey over clearly came in for the liquor. He kept his attention on the task at hand and even licked the, the spillings so not to waste a drop of the precious liquor. This monkey. So I have to. This monkey has, has done this before. I just have to find. I need it to be shown. Uh, this is what the macaque looks like. It already looks like I, I wish a mother would just come up, come at me. Like, 
<laughs> just <laughs> what you got. Yeah. Uh, so this is not the first time a monkey has demonstrated a preference for alcohol. A macaque that was known to be a regular at the Diwakar Bar and Restaurant in wherever else in India. In India, suddenly became aggressive after drinking too much one night in 2018. I mean, well, haven't, haven't we all? We all. <laughs> <laughs> in a more serious incident, a macaque named Kalua was sentenced to life in prison in 2020 <laughs> after biting 250 people Jesus. and killing one <laughs> while suffering from alcohol withdrawal. Wait, yeah. so does that mean they just sent the monkey to the zoo? I guess. DTs for monkeys are some serious stuff. And more proof that nature is more strange than we can imagine. Chimpanzees and other monkeys. Other, no, no, no. no. Chimpanzees are not monkeys. No, they are not. Chimpanzees are apes. They are apes. Are known to make their own wine. Look, I'm just saying it's not Planet of the Monkeys. (laughs) They'd be too busy being drunk. drunk. The drunken monkey hypothesis even postulates that humans are especially attracted to alcohol precisely because of our evolutionary ancestors derived nutritional value from fermented fruit. I mean, we we looked over and had a thing of fermenting fruit in the kitchen and said, yeah, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, true, true. I want to get drunk while eating. Sounds a, good to me. Had a good caveman drunk going that, that morning. Hmm. <laughs> Wow, what a what an ending for the for today's show. <laughs> I mean, by the way, Mon- can you just imagine like they're saying like, like you know monkey going through withdrawals? I'm just picturing Pleplius from uh, from Zayn Free <laughs> oh. shows, just like like that monkey can never you know that fictional monkey can never come off his uh come off his bender. Feels bad. Oh, <sighs> well. On that note, we would like to remind everyone that this is our week. Our good God, this is our news-only show. If you didn't know that, um, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support, have a drink. Please go to Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show, and we will see you guys in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 